Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Well, welcome everybody. It's great to, that we can draw together. I've been under strict instra- instructions to keep this short. Um, I will see how we do. <laughs> I will do my best to kind of bring a message closing our series that we've been doing since the start of December. And if you've not been here, we've been doing a a series called Emmanuel, God with us. We are looking, over the month of December, we've been looking at what has been often regarded as the Christmas narrative or the Christmas story. But my hope has been to try and unpack something new, to bring us to that ultimate goal of coming back to that place of awe and wonder before God. What he did thousands of years ago that enables us to have the life that we have today is something to behold and it's something to rejoice. And I want us to come back to that place of awe and wonder. Now I shared in the first week, it is so easy to become numb to the significance of what we read in the scripture. When we become familiar with the words in scripture, it can sometimes just be a noise in the background. We become numb to what it's saying. What God did through Christ. This message that is often told every year in different ways. See, I personally don't like referring to this as the Christmas story because it is so much more than that. And we have to challenge ourselves to always remain in that place of thanksgiving and gratitude before God. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Just to recap, for those of you that weren't here, who haven't been with us in the month of December, on our first week, I looked at what what I called the parents of the promise. We were looking at Mary, and we were looking at Joseph, and we looked how after there had been 400 years of silence, 400 years where there had been no recorded move of God or anything, they, they have this angelic encounter suddenly before them, and how they were faced with a choice because their reality of what they're going through every single day was in conflict with the promise. And how, when they had this encounter, they came to that position of saying, God, we trust you, and we're going to walk in what you have said for us. And how that's a challenge for us every day when our reality is in conflict to what we read in Scripture. Do we trust God? In week two, we looked at what I called the witnesses to the promise, These were the lowly shepherds, those that were in the fringes of society who the good news was shared to. How they were the first to hear it. They responded to it and then they went out and proclaimed it because they saw how good it was. Also the magi that came a couple of years later, these astrologers that saw the sign and the star, knew what it represented and came to pay homage to the king of kings. I found it fascinating how in that time, in the near East, they come to give gifts to their superior. Jesus, a baby in a manger, though when they came two years later, it was a boy, yet they still came to give him honor by giving the greatest gift. And then we also had King Herod, who had been told the news, that been told what the Magi were coming all about, but because of pride, stubbornness, could not see how good it was and was blinded to the truth. And the challenge I brought to us that week was, 
Are we shepherds, magi, or are we a herald? Do we allow maybe some pride to build up in our hearts and minds that we forget the truth, the reason for the season? Today, and what I'm going to try and do in a snapshot today, is we're looking at what I've called the inheritance of the promise. Now, when we look at inheritance, it's often something that loved ones pass down to their families, right? If you have some of us hope, I mean, my mum has got very much into doing the family tree, and our family tree is very difficult to trace because there have been a lot of adoptions in our, in our household, so it's been very intriguing to try and look back in our family tree of where we've come from. And as my dad says, he's just like, I hope we find that great, 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 great uncle that's got this massive inheritance, because then we can live forever. We can skip into the sunset, happy days. And, you know, kids, you'll be all right because you've got a great inheritance. It's, it's wishful thinking, isn't it? But you never know. It could, you know. It could happen. But the thing is, is that the inheritance that are often in families, it get passed down from generation to generation. And the thing is, is that just like loved ones often leave an inheritance for family, for those that will follow them, um, God, likewise, has left all those who believe and come into his family a mighty inheritance in Christ. Who came and made a way, he died for each and every single one of us, rose again to reign with our Heavenly Father is an inheritance that is before us. But do we become numb to the significance? Or do we come back to God in awe and wonder? Now, we are going to read a passage that is often quoted at this time, but I'm going to hopefully unpack it for us this morning. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It will come up behind me. And it reads this. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of of Peace. Let's just say those four statements together. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, this is a prophet, prophetic word, and it's part of a greater proclamation that we can take hold of even today. It was given at a time when there was the ruler of Judah, King Ahaz, and he refused to listen or obey God. So we read how God would raise up a faithful king who would come, be born, and reign in the future. And this prophetic announcement points to a sign that was to come that would give hope and a future to everyone who would believe. We are now living in a time after that which we see prophesied here thousands of years ago. And the question that I have, or should I say questions, because... If ever you've been part of our life groups or home groups, and I write some of the notes for that, I don't like to leave one question. I kind of give multiple questions. 
a bit of a bad habit. But the questions I want to ask you are, are this. What is this promise and inheritance available to us? Do we fully grasp it? I mean, that's an oxymoron, is it? Do we fully grasp it? I don't think we can fully grasp that in, in this, side of the, this side of heaven. But do we grasp it? Do we overlook it? Do we take it for granted? Do we even underappreciate it? See, when we understand who Jesus is and why he came, we can begin to grasp that which was for all who believe. Jesus appeared as a child. Not only God come to earth, but God born on earth through the Virgin Mary, both human and divine. A humanity and deity coexisting. And this is identified in the four statements that we read in Isaiah. And I'm going to break them down for us this morning. The first one is wonderful counsellor. Not just any counsellor, it's wonderful counsellor. The counsel that we can receive through Christ transcends our mere so-called human understanding. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, Paul speaks to his young protege, Timothy, and says, Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into this. God can give us heavenly insight. We just need to be in a position where we are teachable, open to the insight he gives, rather than holding on to our limited so-called wisdom and understanding. We can only know so much in our own strength, and it takes great humility to come to God saying, teach me, because I want to know your way. Human counsel, our own intellect, only takes us so far. But that which comes through Christ is beyond any rational thought process we can conjure. Now we see through the life of Christ recorded in Scripture how he advised that strength lies in weakness, victory in surrender, and one of the greatest statements and promises before us, life in death. When we die to ourselves and we live for him, we rise in glory of his heavenly kingdom and purpose. It's a great inheritance that's before us. And we may have already, but we will face many times of difficulty in this life. Those unpredictable moments. I even said it in our first week, those, we have those mountain tops and those valley moments. But the wisdom and counsel that comes from God can guide us through these seasons in a way that our limited understanding never will. We just got to trust in him. The next statement is mighty God. Mighty God. I love that. Jesus possessed all the power of God. And we read in the Gospels the incredible power of God moving through Jesus' life and ministry. Lives were touched. People were healed physically. There was spiritual awakening. Callous hearts were made new. And this is just a glimpse of how mighty our God is. And the same God that we read of in the Scripture is alive and active today. We just have to believe it. He is mighty God then, he is mighty God now, and he is mighty God forever. Amen, church, amen. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. 
You see, the awe-inspiring truth to behold for you and I is that this mighty power that we see in God displayed through Christ is available to us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 19, it says these words, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Just imagine the immeasurable greatness, the immeasurable great power of God towards us. It's immeasurable. There are no limits. And it's available to you and I by faith. The glorious inheritance that is before us, living forever with God in likeness with Christ, is before us. We just got to take hold of it. And then we move on. We have everlasting Father. Jesus' paternal reign is forever. Again, there is no end. Because he is God. He is a God who wants to have a relationship with his creation, with you and I. And we first, what was first seen in Genesis, that relationship that he had with his creation, but was separated by sin. God made a way so that you and I can have a beautiful relationship with him on a daily basis. He is approachable. He is our heavenly father. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. As it says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always present in this role as father. Just think about that. He is always present, our Heavenly Father. As a child runs back to their parents for comfort, so too can we run to Jesus, who is our protector, our comforter. He is our discipliner, but he's also our encourager in faith. See, I often think of that story that we read in Luke 15, the, the prodigal son the youngest son, that he wanted his share of his state. He wanted his inheritance there and then, but then he went away from his father. He went away from, that, from the, the, the man that loved him so dearly, and he squandered it. He came cowering back to his father, and the picture we see in that prodigal story is so beautiful, because not only did the father come to him with open arms, he ran to his son when he saw him in the distance. And that's the very relationship we can have with our Heavenly Father, that when we come back to him, he will run to us with open arms. He is our everlasting Father. He is always approachable. And perhaps we've been trying to do life on our own. Perhaps we have been trying to do things in our own strength. And we just have to be reminded that our Heavenly Father is there, to walk with us every single day. We just got to put our hands into his and say, God, lead us. And then the final thing that we see in this passage in Isaiah is that he is our prince of peace. 
this eternal king that came in child form would bring about a peace between God and people. A peace that would radiate in and through those who believe out to others in this world. A peace that transcends all understanding. Now in another Old Testament prophetic book in Micah, chapter 5, verses 4 to 5, again it's a prophetic word looking at this moment. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Jesus is, in essence, our great pastor. He is our great shepherd. He's leading and caring for his people. Our security is found in him. He is the source of peace promised by God that we can experience now and forever. We are told in uh, the book of Philippians that when we come to God by prayer and petition, his peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a promise. That's an inheritance. That is something we can take hold of. That is something that is available to us. But you know what that passage says? It says we have to come to him. We come to him. This coming one would be, he is the final king whose reign would result in increasing peace forever. It's available to us both now and forever. Are we grasping that? Are we taking hold of that? Or are we underappreciating that? See, instead of becoming numb to the significance of this truth, let us come back to God in awe and wonder. This inheritance that is before us. How God didn't have to provide a way. He didn't have to make a way for us. He could have left us to fall away. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, we read, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is the greatest gift. An inheritance for you and I to take hold of. Not undervalue, not underappreciate, but the greatest promise that should bring us back to God in reverent awe and wonder. And God, the amazing thing about God is he made it so wonderfully simple. These words in John 3, 16 and 17, we're so familiar with. And again, these are words we can become numb to, but there's so much truth. Because it reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn this world, but to save the world through it. Billy Graham stated it like this. You take all the good things in this world, everything that we may yearn for or strive for, whether that's a family, a roof over our heads, whether it's to obtain money, whether it's to just to reach all the goals in life. You could have them all on this side. And on this side, you have Jesus. The things over here 
only scratched the surface of just how good Christ is. It doesn't even come close to what life in Christ is. This is our inheritance. And this is why it's so significant. And this is why on this day we remember and we take hold of Emmanuel. He is God with us now and forever. And so I was reflecting on this word to bring this morning and I was reminded of something I delivered a few years ago. Those of you who were here on one of our uh, evening carol services, I think it was a Christmas Eve a few years ago, I shared a spoken word. And I was reminded of that spoken word. I was thinking, okay, let me look back over these words. And I was like, this sums up this series that we've been looking at. This sums it up for us. And so, if you will allow me, I'm going to share the spoken word again. I've had to change the words because today is not Christmas Eve, it's Christmas Day. So I've had to rewrite some of it. But I'm going to invite our worship team up. They're going to, as we will be closing in a song to finish. But while we stay in this place of reflection, I'm just going to read over these words that I wrote those few years ago, just for us to reflect on and hopefully come back to God in awe and wonder. On Christmas Day, many friends and family come together to play games, get in the festive spirit, build memories that will hopefully last forever. The plan has come together. Today is the big day. The Christmas playlist is ready. It's a bit of a cliche. But whatever your reasons for being here this morning, allow me to share something that will hopefully won't leave you yawning as although the festivities can get us carried away, there's a truth to behold when I'll do my best to portray. We've all come accustomed to the so-called Christmas story. There's Mary and Joseph and some donkey in a corner. Don't forget the shepherds that were attending their flock, nor the angels that appeared to give them all quite a shock. Then there's the star that shone bright to lead the way to the stable cave or room where baby Jesus lay. There were also the magi that a few years later came to see this incredible child of wonder. But stop, when you think of these events in great detail, our logic and understanding gets puzzled by this tale. It makes no sense to the rational mind of Jesus in a manger the so-called saviour of mankind. How could it be that this baby born is what we should celebrate this Christmas morn? The church has gone crazy. Can we not see that this is all nonsense, what we believe? The virgin birth seems all too far-fetched. How could this child be born without their first beings? Um, you, you know... Then there's the angel that appeared that gave Mary a fright to tell her she'll conceive baby Jesus one starry night. I think to Mary this was all rather odd to be told that she had found favour with God to give birth to the Son of the Lord Most High. If I were Mary, I'd wonder why. 
Let's fast forward to King Herod, who had heard the news that this Jesus now born was the king of the Jews. Disturbed and afraid, King Herod sought to find a way to kill this boy with no thought that this Jesus was and forever will be the one and only saviour of humanity. This angel declared this, I do recall, that good news is here, not for one, but for all. But what does it mean for us this day when merriments and traditions often get in the way? The stress of Christmas shopping, trying to buy the perfect gift. Thank goodness for Amazon, especially Prime, to get things extra quick. And then I was going to write something about the post office, but I thought I'll leave it there, Royal Mail, because maybe it'll leave us... um, you know, crying or wailing or something like that. But We stockpile food all ready for the feast. All those chocolates and desserts is all quite a treat. Even stockings are hung over the fireplace or bed, all for Santa to bring us our toiletries for the year ahead. The tree stands tall, light shining bright, with a star or angel atop, it's quite the sight. Presents overflow, there's great anticipation, is the big one for me, each child. And if we're honest, adults, we ask in expectation. We open our gifts with joy and wonder and try to hide our disappointment at the things we weren't really after. The evening draws in, the day's been a success. Now there's only 365 days until we replay all the stress. See, surely there's more to Christmas than what the adverts say a story of truth that for centuries gone has often been held at bay. You see, when all is over and the celebrations have come to the end, we find ourselves back in the former routine of simply aiming for the weekend. The laughter has come and gone, the food has been devoured, so now all we have to worry about is the credit card bill due thereafter. As much as many of us would hate to admit, a question lurks in our minds. Is there more than this yearly routine, something I need to find? It's all well and good to enjoy the festivities each year, but what do we do when this distraction disappears? What is it that gives us hope for the year to come, when Christmas is all over, said and done? Traditions are nice, hence why many of us know the Christmas story. But what if I told you that this spectacle wasn't for our benefit, but rather for his glory. And this is where we come back to the baby that was given, an act of grace from the Father, a gift that was from heaven. Though Christ Jesus in a manger lay, vulnerable to the world around, he would soon come forth with a message, one that to this day continues to resound. You see, we gather together this Christmas time not just to sing carols nor drink some mulled wine, to not get wrapped up on this yearly occasion and find an excuse to be merry without hesitation. Mince pies may be nice with a hot drink or two, perhaps a good Christmas film, perhaps Home Alone 1 or 2. But it's all a cover-up for the reason we're here. Hang on, don't fret. Very soon it will be clear. You see, there is more to Christmas than what meets the eye, even than we, more than we've made it to be. It's a time where we celebrate that which was given, a saviour unto thee.
We cannot earn it. We do not deserve it. Yet still it was offered for you and me. The greatest thing we can do in response is to give our hearts unconditionally. But now I shall end and leave you room to dwell upon this message which took the time to tell. There's more behind Christmas than presents and fancy lights and the food we consume that fills our bellies at night. Jesus is the reason, though it's hard to understand, the full nature of this gift that is so close at hand. I implore you to consider, take a different perspective and see that Christ our Savior was born to set us free. It's a story of love, hope and grace, peace and mercy to be given to all who are hungry and thirsty. Though in a manger this baby lay, he will grow to be our Savior one day. It's love incarnate, it's love divine. Those stars and angels, they gave the sign. Unto us a child is born, he shall reign forevermore. See, this is the truth of amazing love. Christmas is about the one. So let us consider, let us understand, let us see what God has done. Behold, the King has come, divinity incarnate. Behold, what light has come, the dark cannot contain. Behold, the Father's love, let's not forget this until next December. Oh, come, friends and family, come one and all. Let us praise his name now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.